we have these paninis and they're nice and th- uh, thin, nice and long. And uh, yeah. he used to. We I know used to what a panini blade. looks like, Shreve. <laughs> <laughs> nice and thin, nice and so, long. Well, yeah, I thought, I thought Cheshire was pretty exotic, actually. Thank you. <laughs> ben Robinson, it's been a cold one these past couple of weeks, hasn't it? I've been chilly without you by my side. Oh, stop it, Shreve. Seriously cold, mate. Seriously cold. Um, yeah, it's been awful out there, hasn't it? Horribly. I mean, we've had snow, we've had rain, we've had sleep, we've had it all, really. Um, and I thought I'd start this week, actually, because um, I was sat on a bench the other day outside in one of the, again, kind of a bleak... On your sort own? Of ...modern world. Yeah, on my own. On my own, oh, just out. Mate. During one of my days. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sympathise with me. Um, lonely. <laughs> um, but, yeah, out, sat on a bench, uh, and I just got thinking... And I got thinking, it's bloody lucky that I was sort of born into this sort of modern world where survival of the fittest has died. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how I'd survive in these conditions, like, you know, outside, back in the caveman days, if I had a sort of, you know, if I had to sort of whittle berries, you know, you know sort of hunt and stuff like that. I, I, I think I'd really, really struggle. So it got me thinking, um, sort of who... Who do you reckon out of you and I um, would uh, survive the longest in a sort of caveman survival of the fittest back to the, you know, early BC days? You're going, you're going in with a big question here. Well, straight away, I'm going to keep warm because I've got a lot of chest and back hair. That's a, <laughs> that's a reveal for the podcast yeah, you, in itself. <laughs> you haven't fully developed from the ape yet, have you? You've still got quite, whereas I'm quite clean. Um, <laughs> so, you know, a bit of, a bit a of warmth, point. a bit of warmth. I think, what else could I bring? I mean, I, I think the buck mainly ends there, really. Where, what are you I thinking? Mean, You've clearly thought about this. So what I thought, I mean, because you're, you're actually quite good at arts and crafts and stuff like that. How, is that, if, how am know, I, I surviving mean, with that? Well, well OK, so but to be fair, the art you're mainly good at is sort of paintings and stuff. So you could do some of them caveman drawings on the walls, which would be nice. <laughs> uh, that'd be good. Whereas me, I, you know, I, I mean, I have got opposable thumbs, but I can't really make stuff. You know, like these these guys, you know, the, the sort of man around the house that can, you know, do, bang, do this, do that, build this. I can't really, I can't imagine myself building sort of a home or a nest. So what I thought that I could bring to the table was was uh, sort of like a... um. A Peter Pettigrew figure. I could sort of hang on to the coattails of of my sort of Lord Voldemort, right? So I could sort of, sort of like a coward, sort of befriend a better, sort of more able-bodied human. Okay, so um, you're sucking up, basically. Sort of, yeah, 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 exactly. If there's anything I can do, you know, I could, I could keep morale high, tell the odd joke, the court um, jester. but little more than that. Yeah, exactly. The court jester is exactly where I'm going. So that also got me thinking. Um, if you could take, you know, a modern day celebrity or a famous person or anyone really back with you um, in order to help you survive, you know, some, some cold BC conditions when you're out in the open by yourself, who would you take and why? So straight away, I'm bringing the banter and personality. So I can, <laughs> I, I can take that on and the survival stuff, probably like a Joe Wicks or a Bear Grylls. Although... Do I want to hang out with either of them more than half an hour? Probably not, because yeah, I can't stand exactly. either you're stuck of them. With them. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it. You're stuck with them, mate. See, I think... Right, so hear me out. The classic answer is your Bear grills. Do you know what I mean? But I've seen it. I've seen him, you know, he's drinking his own piss. He's, he's squeezing 
nutrients out of elephant dung, uh, which is not what I want. So what I thought, my immediate first thought of who I'd take, Lloyd Grossman. And i tell you for why. You find him some tomato and some basil, you've got yourself some pasta sauce. Have you ever you seen him I mean? present some... anything, or is this just from seeing the pasta sauce on the shelves? Do you know anything about this man, or is it just his sticker of his face? <laughs> this is just the sticker of his face, and the, and the fact I bloody love his tomato and basil pasta sauce. <laughs> but I just think, you know, you're with Bear grills, and he's going... You know, Robbo, have a, have a, have some of this elephant dung. Squeeze some nutrients out of that. I'm going, no, Lloyd Grossman's baked me some little tomato basil pasta bake over here. Do you know what I mean? I don't need to do that. So you're going with, you're just going solely with food there, not even survival. You know, I was th- thinking about being fit and strong and, and actually surviving. You're just thinking about, oh, I wonder what could be rustled up that's lovely. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to I'm going to feed my fat little gut while telling a couple of jokes, and that's about <laughs> and then die. sort of how I'd survive. Yeah, and then just die. I mean, I'm not lasting long either way, so I might as well eat well. Um, that was my that was my thoughts. Um, but anyway, sorry, uh, we 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 digress. Uh, you're back in London, Shree. I am back in uh, London. I yes, I'm back in London. Uh, it's been a few days. Not very long. You know, I thought off the back of the last podcast. You know, my dad made an appearance and. I'd sort of exhausted all sort of humour with him and I could only stand being around him ever so long. Do you know what? Over the last week, actually, <laughs> I came downstairs. Um, he does like a every sort of Saturday, Sunday as a little project. It might be sort out the garage or do a painting or, you know, um, work nice. out the finances, do the files, the boring dad stuff, you know. And this Saturday, <laughs> he decided uh, what he was going to do was sort out the drawer under the desk, which houses basically all of the family pens and pencils. So what he did was he pulled this drawer out, shimmied over to the kitchen table, plonked it on, weighs a tonne, this thing, and he's just gone through with a pad of paper, flicked over each page, done a little scribble, shh, ah, that one's works, that goes in. Nice. No, nothing coming out of that. And I've just come down to <laughs> loads of bits of paper of just scribbles, right? The only good thing I can think about this is, well, obviously you'll end up with a drawer full of pens and pencils that work. No, absolutely not. I tried them out all of last week trying to do my work. I was going through meetings going, sorry, I need to find another pen. This one's gone out. As, oh, for God's sake. But what was the point? What was the point? So his artistic levels have gone a bit skew-if since I've left. That is Sunday for dads. Do you know what I mean? That is a job. They, f- they need to fill their time with something, I feel. Do you know what I mean? My dad will always be doing something stupid and shit. And always, I'll tell you what he does a lot, just before we go on holiday, he'll decide to do so. You know, we're all in the car waiting and dad will be, you know, sort of somewhere in the house alphabetizing all his CDs or something <laughs> like that. Something like, just something stupid that, that need, he can't go away without knowing that, you know... ACDC is followed by Bombay Bicycle Club. Do you know what I mean? He'll need, he'll need that sorted out. And on the topic of my dad and his art, um, we haven't got a voice note from him this week. As he, if you haven't heard, he did sabotage the podcast last time. Came on to reveal a few home truths about me and he sort of just turned on you in the end. Yeah, ended up just slagging me off. Thank you very much, Pete Shreve. Never again. So go listen back to that if you haven't yet. But... One thing I wanted to call upon him for this week is I don't know if you've seen, but doing the rounds on social media has been Kim Kardashian and Kanye's daughter, Northwest. Now, she has done a painting. She's seven years old, and this painting is like... I mean, I don't think I've ever done a painting like it. It's amazing, to be honest. Really? But, but this has led to a lot of people 
looking at this and going, I don't think this is a real painting. So I thought the only way we can work out, is this a good painting and is it real, is to ask our art critique himself, Pete Shreve. Nice. Love it. And uh, uh, what what are his views, Shreve? Was this was this a, a voice note or is this just a long message? Well, in true Pete Shreve fashion, it was a voice note and it's, it's rather Brilliant. abrupt. Are you ready for this? Hey, Josh. Dad here. Thanks for sending the photo over. Um, hmm, what's my opinion? Well, possibly, is it Bob Ross's love child? Um, having said that, she's got all of the uh, shadowing wrong. Not really sure of her perspective on that. Anyway, given it's from the uh, Kardashians, I suspect it's fake. Um, a bit of a fake family, let's face it. Kanye West is hardly a good example. So, uh, yeah, my thoughts on this painting? Yeah, not sure whether it's real or not. Anyway, hope that's useful for you. Bye for now. <laughs> savage. Absolutely savage. I mean, not what... He's, he started to say it was good, then he had the thing about the shadowing, and then he just called them all fake. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. He's, he's ripped gone it like, to shreds. He's gone, oh, I'll throw in a joke about Bob Ross, keep it relevant, but actually, there is a technical difficulty with this, and the shading's awful. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. That is absolutely classic. But, but to be fair... I'm inclined to agree with uh, with Pete Shreve because, and this is something um, my auntie does um, with Christmas cards. They they do their own every year, and it's always by. So she's got three young children. Um, they probably listen as well. Sorry if I'm offending any of them. But at the age of like four or five, you know, they were they were painting these unbelievable like Christmas cards, you know, and and she'd go, and, and this one was done by a uh, you know little cousin Ben who, who was like three years old, and. My auntie's like a bit of an artist herself, and we all know that she's very good. And these are wonderful Christmas cards. But again, she'll go, yeah, Ben's done this one. The other thing she does, she also signs it by her dog. Do you know what I mean? That She'll have oh. a little paw print signed by the dog. Yeah, I know. It, so I'm inclined to agree with Pete here. I, th- I think uh, I've seen, I've, I've been burnt in the past uh, with with stuff that's fake, and, and I, I, this screams fake to me. I'm sorry, there's no way a seven-year-old is painting that photo, uh, picture. On that topic of the Christmas cards... Uh... The Christmas cards I can't stand, which my parents seem to get, and I never want to get to the age of this, but I fear it's looming as soon as you get married and have kids, where you send a summary of the year, you know? Oh, God! Little James has gone off to Cambridge University to do biochemistry, and he's having a rather lovely time. He's met a girl called Noreen, and they're having a lovely time. And it's just so like, true. I couldn't give a shit. And Alex so, here, my partner, has he's just become promoted at BMW, and it's re- we've had we've had a great year despite the pandemic. Bollocks! Yeah, I, I, I honestly, we have the same one. We, we have like what what some of our American friends. It's a very, I feel like it's quite an American thing to it do. Is, it is send over this this uh, you know oh, and my son's just uh, uh, you know made the the NFL college team and all of this, um, and you know I'm, I, I'd be tempted to just send one back saying. Um, you know, so uh, f- from my parents going, Ben is unemployed and he's become a full-time drug addict. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Just really, just sort That's of That's not factual, that- by the way. That's not factual. <laughs> That's not factual. That's not factual. I have a job. And, and I, I, I'm not a drug addict. Um, but you know what I mean? I just feel like you should send something back, which means, oh, we, we probably shouldn't trouble the Robinsons again, uh, you know, by showing off about our kids, because theirs are having a real rough time of it. It's, it's such an American, like... I don't know, just sort of shameless brag. I, I, I just hate it. It is. My dad, and I don't think he'll mind me mentioning this, he's got a friend called Gary Green who moved to America when they were like... <laughs> Great name. 
It's so good. <laughs> Such a good name. <laughs> they, he moved to America when they were like mid twenties, and um, he sent a postcard a few years ago of him and his young family, you know, rolling around in the winter fall in New York with all the all the leaves everywhere. What would the equivalent be if I took my dad down to the village meadow and it's him eating a bit of snow? Yeah, but, exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you being sick down yourself or something. You, do you know what I mean? I, I, that's what I want to do. I think we should create a British version family card and it just be as bleak as it can possibly be and you send it back and, and that will be the last time you hear from him. Do you know what I mean? That'll be the end. Staying on the topic of this elusive character, Gary Green, my dad hears from him approximately once a year for the past 15 years and most of the time, Gary is stuck in traffic at 4pm American time and it will ring at midnight in my house <laughs> and my dad will pick up the phone and go, hello, who is it? It'll be, it's Gary Green, how are you doing, Green? <laughs> and my dad would just want nothing to do with it and just put the phone down. Does he just put it down? I think it's oh just like, Gary, God. it's the middle of the night, what are you doing? Oh, that is so classic. Talking about... um people ringing you know parents late at night um that's just reminded me of a classic tale from um just before the uh the, the start of the whole pandemic um i'd sort of gone out on a night out with our good friend craig bailey um and gone out had a big night and i anyway i'd, I'd left me keys back at the pads and i i just wanted to go home a bit earlier out at cafe sol in clapham he stayed out partying i took his keys home and uh sort of went in popped him a pizza on uh, which was nice of me. And we actually covered on the first ever pod we did was me popping a pizza on, then falling asleep and burning the house mm. down. Um, so this very soon, I popped a pizza on for Bailey in in order for his return, left the door open and everything. Um, but what I forgot, however, was that in our old flat, we had like an entry to the entry and it would lock. Like we had a big green door downstairs to open a whole block of flats that would, would then eventually like open up to our, our top flat. So I'd left our flat open, but I'd left the block of flats very much closed. So Bailey comes back at, I don't know, like 3am, let's say, an hour later, and he's trying to get in, he's trying to get in. Obviously, Pete's cooking, I've passed out, he's ringing me. He rings me about, I wake up like the next day, it's about 30 missed calls. Ringing me, ringing me, ringing me. Anyway, eventually, um, he comes back the next morning, and... Uh, my cousin, Johnny, lives just down the road. Um, and so he tells me this tale of um, ringing Johnny Robinson at 3am uh, in the morning, um, obviously thinking it's my cousin. Unfortunately, my dad is also called Johnny Robinson. <laughs> and so at 3am uh, in the morning uh, on, on a Saturday night um, in the middle of winter, dad gets, <laughs> dad gets a call and apparently it opens with, Johnny? Ben's a fucking idiot. Where are, where are you? Can I come and stay at yours? Um, my dad obviously picks up. Oh, oh, um, uh, um, uh, who is this? Sorry, who is this? And it, it's Craig. It's Craig. Uh, can I come and stay at yours? My dad was like, "Well, I'm, I'm not sure. That's very convenient. We're back in Buckinghamshire." Um, and Bales is like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! I've rung the wrong, wrong Johnny," uh, and obviously has to profusely apologise. Um, because uh, apparently he'd been ringing like everyone in his phone book trying to find a place to stay. But yeah, it had eventually gone for my cousin Johnny and it turned out to be my dad. Uh, so yeah, another oh sort of late night call um, that's gone wrong. And then uh, once again, I woke up to sort of a completely 
burnt pizza and smoke billowing out the flat uh, and a very angry Bales. Um, but there you go. So that just reminded me uh, right then. It does raise the question, would you rather uh, a call from Gary Green stuck in traffic or an angry <laughs> friend of your son's uh, wondering where he's gone on a night out? Well, I know, I know for a fact that I want to call from Gary Green. If Gary Green <laughs> rings me at midnight, I am picking up that phone. So Bailey is obviously one of your flatmates in dismay. We've heard quite a bit about the new flat and doorbells being stuck in the wrong place, mattresses being left out, shit heaps everywhere. Anything gone on in the past couple of weeks you want to shed light on? Um. Well, I've got, I've got to be honest, it's been quite quiet. So... um. My flatmate, uh, Bishy, as uh, he's come up many times on this pod, obviously, um, he's actually uh, revising for all his big accountancy exams at the moment, so he, he's very busy. Um, but he came into the other uh, into the room the other day, uh, and sort of started this topic that got us all thinking about um, sort of school exams and stuff we'd done, like exam techniques and stuff we'd done to get through, and the subject of um, cheating in exams came up. Uh, right. Um, and I was just thinking back of all the various ways uh, like my mates had tried to cheat in the past. Hamilton obviously came up with straight away. I was like, oh, yeah, I just sort of wrote all over me hands. I was like, great. Oh, that, that's genius. Do you know what I mean? Like they check your hands. Uh, black ink hands. all over like your, your hands. Do you know what I mean? Your hands. You walk in and your hands are covered in black ink. They go, well, maybe something's awry here. But he was like, yeah, I just wrote on my hands and looked at it for little reminders. I was like, brilliant. That's genius. Um, and then there was like some other ones. We Bish suggested that he used to write on his leg. Um, and sort of go to the toilet and then pull it down. You could have a little sort of a little reminder there, um, which was sort of slightly more inventive. So anyway, <laughs> this is all leading up to Bish coming up with one of the strangest cheating methods I've ever heard in my life, um, which apparently he tried to do once for one of his exams, um, which there's so much wrong with, but it almost kind of makes sense. So be the judge of this. Bish said <laughs> what he tried to do once was write all his answers on an elastic band. OK, so hear me out. So what he did was he stretched it to breaking point, right? And he'd write out all the answers on this stretched out elastic band. And then when it came together, it would just look like a line and he'd wear it round his wrist. Do you know what I mean? It's, and he, obviously he, he told me this, which I thought was absolutely fucking hilarious. He was like, yeah, it just didn't work. It didn't quite work out. And I was like... What, I mean, there's... what exams, what subjects is he using this for? Because, you know, you could, get, you could get a few equations in there, fine. But a Shakespeare poem, you're screwed. Exactly. It's like his French essay or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It, it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. But what I love about Bishy is that there's, there's, there's somewhere deep down, there's method to the madness. Because, you know, because obviously they wouldn't be able to tell if it was just a line. You could... You could wear it on your wrist. But then it brings into the question as well, how are you getting it out in the exam? Are you just pretending to have a little stretch? And you're like, oh, oh, what's that? <laughs> just have a little stretch, get that out. But, yeah, it just got me thinking, was there anything uh, in your sort of school, were there any exam techniques or any sort of little things in school that, that, that um, you know, students would do to try and get away with stuff? Quite a lot of cheating, per se, did happen in the school canteen. There was a guy in my year called Matty, um who used to go into the canteen every single lunch without fail. We have these paninis and, and they're nice and th uh, thin, nice and long. 
and uh, yeah. he used to. I we know used what to a panini looks like, Shreve. <laughs> Nice and thin, nice and long. So, well, yeah, I thought, I thought Cheshire was pretty exotic, actually. Thank you. <laughs> Panini, yeah, paninis, it's an Italian dish. Um, <laughs> nice, thin and long sort of bread. Don't know if you've seen it. Yes, OK. <laughs> well, we used to wear blazers to school, and these blazers were pretty baggy. So what he'd do is he'd hold the panini up, and then he'd yeah. just clap twice, and it would slip down <laughs> the sleeve of his blazer, and he'd sort of w- walk out a bit rigid, knowing that he's got a nice warm panini amongst his arm. I love the clap twice like it's a magic trick. You can just slip it down there, but what is that? That's cheap. Hiding oh in plain gosh, sight. That's funny. C- criminality yeah, exactly. at the age of 15, if you're listening, Matty. Um, oh, gosh. Has he gone into a career in the magic industry? Or... I, d- I don't know. All, all I could tell you about him is that he used to ride a moped to school. I think he only lived down the road as well. I don't know why he did that. But anyway, strange character, but plenty of them at school, weren't there? So there was a lot of weird stuff that happened at school and one thing that got me thinking about school was anything that went wrong so you had a headache you know you had a bit of a bruised shoulder you fell over in the playground you had a scraped knee yeah, yeah Everyone, i know where you're going with go this to, go to matron have a lie down on the bed <laughs> weird right lie down, lie down, on, the lie bed. down on the do you remember milk of magnesia as well what? They have a lie down on the bed. That's what our matron used to give out for anything. It You've could be drugged. literally anything. Milk of magnesia, mate. It was a little... It was like Calpol or something, I don't know. But you had a lie down and you had, had milk of magnesia. I remember for a fact that my mate Danny Pickles, um, he went... We were playing football in the playground and I kicked an absolute hoof, hoofer at his leg and... Hit him and it and it broke his leg. Like you know how powerful. No, it didn't. You're not. Che- no, you're. That is bollocks. You did not okay, kick okay, a football well, at him and it broke his leg. Okay, well, okay. So he saved it and then he might have felt fallen funny on his leg. But uh, his, his his leg broke anyway. Um, again, as you say, taken straight to um, matron. And I remember vividly matron giving him just a little bit of milk of magnesia and making him walk on it whilst this like little 15 year old child was like crying clearly in agony and being like ah, walk it off walk it off son and he was like going ah, ah, ah. all of this, every step was like more and more painful uh and then and then after that so finished the rest of that day at school and uh, and then didn't come in for another two months because went to a proper doctor who told him, your leg is broken, you must not put any weight <laughs> on it. Um, but just a classic, just matron. Yeah, what else, son, get Ma- out. Matrons um, are mad, though, because you'd be, I'd have like a migraine, classic. Be lying there in the bed and uh, then suddenly someone else would come along and not feel well. Matron pop her head around the door and go, feeling better yet? She went, yes. She'd be like, right, well, someone else needs to go in. She went, no. She'd turn around to the other person and go, got no space in the bed a bed no, for re- about 500 kids ridiculous <laughs> that's absolutely like the yeah the worst hospital of all time one at a time hospital do you know what i mean absolutely dreadful while we're on the topic of schools actually when i was at home recently i was just sorting through some stuff you know the classic you come back home and mum and dad are like we got this box you need to sort through and I found oh, some God. old homeworks of mine, so I thought I'd have a little flick through. And these from from about year eight, year nine, so it's about thirteen or fourteen. And I plucked one out. I thought you might like to hear. Um, Brilliant! Sounds great. So this was the joke of all subjects, other than PE, was food tech. You basically got to go in, try and cook something, and then ate it. Probably the only subject at that age that had a good outcome. 
I, n- I could never do this. I've always wanted to do food tech. What'd you we want, didn't do it at... What'd you do instead? Yeah, we didn't do it at RGS. Oh, we were... Yeah, we... The Royal Grammar School, mate, was very traditional in its subjects. We didn't do business studies. We didn't do food tech. We only introduced, like, PE as an actual, like, you could do it as a sort of GCSE when I was, like, in A-level. Ridiculous, mate. So, yeah, food tech, couldn't do it. I'd have loved that. Well, you might have liked it less if you were in my class, judging by this bit of homework that I found. So you had to make the dish for that week, and then you had everyone go around the class and taste a bit which I don't actually remember. I thought you took it home with you and ate it, but apparently people did taste it. They would then review it, and then you would write a conclusion on their review, which is mad and not needed in food tech, as far as I'm concerned. But this is my conclusion on my quiche and lasagna. Oh, now this will be good. Um, The first thing that strikes me, Shreve, quiche and lasagna. Two heavy cheese-based foods... Now, I know for a fact that at this age, you avoided cheese like the plague. You didn't eat it at all, right? I didn't. I didn't touch it. Yeah, I was I was pretty much intolerant to it. So everything I made was a slightly sadder, downgraded version of whatever anyone else made. I mean, a quiche and a lasagna without cheese is shit, Shreve. I, I mean, I'm going to review it before you do your conclusion to review. Your quiche slash lasagna is shit. Not in my eyes. So here we go. The quiche and lasagna were very much liked by my tasters. Not even classmates, tasters, like I'm on some bloody master chef. <laughs> However, if they could be improved, I would make sure I fried the onions for my flan. So I've started off well. Ha- <laughs> oh, so I God. haven't fried the onions. I've said I've improved on this by remembering to fry them to put into my lasagna. Tasters also commented that my products could do with a bit of salt added to add a bit of flavour or I could add an unusual flavour like nutmeg. <laughs> what? <laughs> rogue. Oh, gosh. That is rogue. Certain tasters didn't like certain vegetables and also wanted cheese in their quiche and lasagna. This was because I made my products to fit my tastes and needs. Oh, so selfish. That, that, this was because I'm selfish, is the little sign-off line. I mean, obvi- quiche and lasagna, I'm sorry, Shreve, I know you didn't eat, but quiche and lasagna, the, the minimum I expect is cheese. Well, yeah, but then my Dragon's Den-style pitch really goes up a level. I've actually given reasoning for this. I said, I think there is a gap in the market for my products. Not only are my products healthy, but they also do not contain cheese and are suitable for people who can't eat cheese, just like me. Oh, my. So they're suitable for you. I mean, uh, and now you even can eat cheese. Looking back now, okay, as a man who now admits that he likes cheese, was your quiche slash lasagna shit, yes or no? Oh, it would have been, hands down. It would have been. (laughs) Um, That's a little insight to how I was performing at school at the time. Brilliant. So memoirs of a leaf blower, that moment of the podcast where I turn to Ben and he reads a story from his past, from his memoirs. Now, traditionally, this started off with stuff about jobs and jobs you didn't enjoy and things going wrong and being abroad. And I mean, the theme is things going wrong. And that has extended into the past two times we've had dates that have not gone quite to plan. So, are we veering away from this this week? Well, um, the short answer is no, Shreve. Um, I thought, you know, 
all the best things come in three. You've got your, your sort of great trilogies in in the movie world. Um, so I thought, um, why not finish this off? Uh, uh, and I'm going to entitle it um, The Shit Date Trilogy. Um, so this is sort of a finale to uh, sort of something that has, I feel, been like a constant theme throughout our second series of this podcast. Um, and this one is uh, entitled Mario Kart. So this all sort of starts um, with me getting a job a few years back, a new job. And um, you want to make some early wins um, when you're sort of trying to make friends early on in the job. And what I chose to do um, was uh, I'd have these sort of travel crackers, as I called them. Um, My dad gave me um, sort of a block of cheese and a pack of mini cheddars in my lunchbox every day, um, pre-prepared. And what I'd do is uh, I'd sort of go around the office um, handing out these travel crackers um, to try and sort of befriend uh, some people. Immediately, you're probably thinking, this is incredibly strange behaviour for a (laughs) 23-year-old man at the time. Um, And, you know, so anyway, I sort of coined early this nickname of Cheese Ben, um, which was (laughs) not not the sort of nickname I'd hoped for. Anyway, so uh, I've gone out one day... um, and I think uh, I think actually I'd had like a, I'd had a haircut, um, which is a story unto itself that I I will quickly tell, um, because there's this chap, who works sort of opposite um, the office, um, who has a little salon, uh, and he sort of he sort of looks like a little Danny DeVito type character, he's Italian, short little plump man, um, and so I'm early new to this job, and I've gone in. And I've got a haircut and he sits me down and the first thing he says to me is, um, and this is his sort of mantra, he goes, you need two things in life, sex and wine. And I was like, right, well, to be fair, I am starting to get into my wines. Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> if, I, if I needed the other to survive, I'd be, you know, six feet under. Rigor mortis would have set in and this podcast would be you talking to a gravestone. Um, so, I, I love the fact he hasn't he hasn't done three things, and the third is a haircut, which I, is what you're there yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was a very very strange chap. Uh, anyway, he proceeded me. He proceeded to pour me um, one of his homemade wines. Um, which Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this was l- lunch time of me quite early on in my working life at this company. Um, but I, I took a sip out of politeness and it was the shittest wine I've ever had in my mouth in my entire life. Anyway, he was bloody chugging it back, absolutely chugging it back um, and proceeded he, to... Are you sure this bloke's a barber and he's, you're not just there for emotional support for well, his drinking habit? It's, well, this this could be it. He's always, honestly, he's always, and I can picture it now, out there because it is opposite our office and he'll be out there sort of trying to beckon people in for haircuts that pass. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just, you sir... Haircut, uh, and uh, it's it's very odd. So um, anyway, so been in there, I've had a sip of this wine, he's chugging it back, and he's sort of having a go at my head. You know when they shave your sort of neck? And he's chopped one of these moles. I've got a little mole on the back of my neck. Chopped it clean off, and I've sort of bled all over the back of my, uh, back of my shirt, my collar. I've got a white collar as well. It was blood all around there. And he goes, for your friend, I knocked some price off. 
And I was like, great, that that's fantastic. He and goes, your mole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mole and price, off. Um, and uh, he charged me 25 quid. Looked up on the wall, £20 for a gentleman's haircut. So <laughs> there's one thing. But obviously, in in a very British way, I naturally sort of thanked him and paid him the full whack, 25 quid. He then tried to flog me one of his homebrew wines. And I, I, to be fair, with that, I politely declined. Anyway, so that was sort of the haircut. Despite the mole, feeling quite, you know, razor, looking quite sharp. I, uh, I've walked back into the office. I'm handing out my travel crackers. I'm in there and I hand out one to this girl. Let's call her Wendy. OK. Uh, That's not well. Yeah, let let's call her that because that is definitely not a name. She's <laughs> anywhere near the age of us. <laughs> Lovely old girl. Oh, she's cracking. <laughs> um, but yeah, so reminds I'm... me of Min Nan. <laughs> so I've handed I've I've handed uh, Wendy a travel cracker, and I used to hand her a lot. She she was one of the people I got on well with. Uh, anyway, she's gone. Uh, would you like to uh, you know hang out tomorrow evening? play some Mario Kart, um, have a few drinks. Uh, you can stay around mine. She lived quite near the office. Um, and, you know, if you can describe an evening to me, Mario Kart and drinks, that, that's sort of perfect. So, so that, that's a boon, isn't it? Um, so at this point, Shreve, I need to sort of flash forward in the story um, because the next few events I'm sort of blissfully unaware of, OK? Um but it might be best to sort of go forwards for the listener and then sort of return back to it uh, at a later stage. Like a sort of Christopher Nolan film. A little flash forward and then we'll, we'll flash back. Yeah, um, I've always thought of you as the Nolan of the two of us. So unbeknownst to me, right, Wendy had taken a bit of a shine to me. And as I say, we got on remarkably well. But obviously, in true Robinson fashion, I was completely oblivious to any affection. And it turns out this Mario Kart night was meant to be a date. As I say, I knew we were getting on. But I, I, I read absolutely none of the signals. Uh, you know me, Shreve. The, the woman of my dreams could come up to me and go, would you like to go on a date? And I'd turn it date to mate like that. Do you know what I mean? That's sort of what I've got. In, I've got sort of the reverse gift of the gab, if you will. The anti-gab. <laughs> anyway, um, Wendy, along with many sort of other people in the office, knew this was meant to be like a date night. They, they knew, they absolutely knew this was meant to be like the first sort of thing the fire between us or whatever um however in my eyes wendy's house was sort of the social hub of the office um so i thought it was sort of like a big sort of mario kart sort of boozathon a ding dong sort of classic <laughs> sort of social affair uh so what i did was proceed to uh invite a few of my mates uh <coughs> along to uh to the date night um so i'm going around the office and i'm going hey boy do you, do you fancy coming for a little Mario Kart night? It's all kicking off round uh, Wendy's tomorrow. It's going to be a classic. Um, and they're all going, no, no, I think it's, no, I think, yeah, I, I don't think I'm available, actually. And I'm thinking, what? what's going on here? Like, what, why is everyone unavailable? Obviously, they all fucking knew. Um, anyway, you know me, persistent. I managed to drag a couple of my mates along. In the end, uh, they caved. And um, this Mario Kart date night turned into sort of like a big matey the least sort of sexy datey thing you could imagine lots of booze i sort of passed out on the sofa with me mate next to me on the floor and wendy uh, retreated alone probably pissed off at this stage uh to her bedroom so this is where we now sort of revert back to the sort of end of the story so anyway this this wendy is uh leaving um 
And the, when somebody leaves at, uh, at our company or whatever, they often have a leaving speech, right? Um, so I've attended this leaving speech. The whole office is there, sort of gathered, gathered round. And this leaving speech is going absolutely swimmingly. Like, I'm cracking up. I'm, I'm sort of in the front row because I'm really good mates with this Wendy. We're getting on like a house on fire. Um, and her friend is, like, doing the sort of speech, like, obviously going through all her stuff. Um, and it gets about halfway through the speech. And she goes... Um, and then about halfway through your time at the company, a new boy uh, joined. And oh, no. the whole office... <laughs> looks like stares at me and starts cracking up laughing and I'm thinking oh shite what have I done here what's happened here I've got no bloody idea where this is going anyway the whole story sort of unravels as I've mentioned above um uh, plus a few more nights where you know romance could have ensued turns out the whole bloody office knew and literally <laughs> I'm just stood there, blissfully unaware, with the entire office laughing at little tragic cheese Ben, with no fucking idea what's been going on for this past year. And then that night, we did had like her leaving drinks. Uh, we went out late in the evening, and uh, she confirmed that any romantic feelings towards me had pretty much died that Mario Kart night. Just <laughs> shot him dead. Um, so once again, I found myself apologising, and it was very much left there. So... I thought, Shreve, why don't we send a poll out or something um, and sort of say like, which of the Ship Date trilogy is the most tragic? Uh, we've had, obviously, Bath Story, we've had Sick in Car, and now Mario Kart. So it's that time of the podcast, good intentions, bad inventions. Our friend Sam has all the good intention in the world and has a big book of inventions that are bad, and that's being kind, so bad. <laughs> I think we've used worse words, haven't we, for his inventions? Yeah, I think we've been quite harsh, but fair. And he sent us one today that is titled Moonbags. All right, here we go. Okay, I've been expecting this one to come up for a while, uh, because we're both aware of this one, aren't we, Shreve? This is sort of an, a one that he's had running for quite a few years now, and gives us the odd update. So basically the summary of it is that moon bags are a sustainable bean bag, which he's called moon bags, filled with something biodegradable. And the reason is because polystyrene beads take over 500 years to degrade, which is, which is fair enough. I mean, again, a good intention to start things off. Great premise. Great premise, may I say. I think this, I, I, I was shocked by that stat of, um, you know, 500 years plus. I had no idea. And th like, think of the amount of bean bags that are out there. So yeah, I think, We've always thought this is a great, great premise. So um, he's had various different ideas. Um, do you remember the one that he started off with, Shreve? This I is think, a classic. Yeah, was it um, pistachio shells? <laughs> and he ordered so good. It, not just like you know when you think of pistachio shells, you think of a little bag. But he ordered like fifty kilograms of them from Yorkshire, <laughs> as well. Who's shipping that? Can you imagine stopping that lorry on the motorway? Um, and um, he turns out they're actually much more uh, hev heavier than they he thought, which means you'd have to have a large beanbag, which is about uh, 200 kg in weight. I mean, one, pistachio shells, 
bloody uncomfortable when you th- when you actually think about it, it's so uncomfortable and then the other thing that he always says um with this and you know this as well he always goes and the slight drawback is uh that if somebody with a nut allergy sits on the beanbag they could die um and i just think that is a cl- i mean what a damning review again of his own product and his poor mother apparently has had these in the garage for like a year apparently she's now spreading them around the garden for sort of fertilizer oh, but he just takes up with shit in the garage um Anyway, I believe... So then he, he he sort of moves on, doesn't he? And every time we see him, he has, like, this new sort of idea about what this great beanbag filling is going to be. And I think the next one was expanded cork granules. Um, don't remember if you remember this. And again, it, it, he, he always uh, comes up with why it's the shittest thing in the world. So expanded cork granules, smell of smoke, and don't roll over each other in the bag giving it a very hard and immovable feeling when sat on. I think then, didn't he move on to some sort of recycled clothing fluff, um, which was made from old clothes, but he found oh God, he found yeah. that was too squashy. So he's gone from like something that doesn't move to too squashy. He's also had natural rubber latex foam, he said, which, again, you can't roll over. How many of these things is he just putting in there and going... That's the opposite of what a beanbag needs to do. Get rid. Do you remember he had a little um, emblem sort of made, his little Moonbags yeah. logo, for which he... There's a website that he keeps on telling me about called Fiverr, which is this Vietnamese website where you, you can get anything done for a Fiverr. Absolutely anything. That's the whole premise. So he got these little sort of thing, and he popped it on, and it looked quite good, but, yeah, just, again, didn't quite work. Well, can I interest you in a beanbag made out of cherry stones? Which is <laughs> utterly mental. Who has ever seen a cherry stone, for one? Um, but he's also said they've mostly come from France, so a bit hard to ship. I actually, I've got to hold my hands up, I actually haven't heard that one. I've never heard <laughs> cherry stones. What a shit idea. I mean, even I know, like, straight away, again, uncomfortable, they're stones. Do you, know what I mean? you can't just fill it with, like, gravel or whatever. I remember, like, the, the next one that I remember... Is he had this like fungusy stuff one? I don't really know like the internet scientific ins and outs of this, but it's basically this fungus which again, like the pistachio shells, he purchased loads from like the US, which cost him oh, like a, a, a loads of these ideas cost him so much money, and he makes nothing out of it, bless him. <laughs> um, but they apparently grow into the shape of whatever um, you can sort of you can mould it into anything. Uh, so it can be grown into a mould for wine bottles, uh, he says, or, you know, um, anything else. So he was thinking he could use it for a beanbag. Um, but once again, um, as ever with his ideas, this proved to be incredibly expensive and, you know, just ludicrous price for the beanbag to cover the costs. Um, but the good thing is he has finally settled on something, he's told me, which is felt balls, which are made of wool. They're round. As a ball should be. I mean, if that point he went, they're square, I'd go, what are you doing? But um, so they roll over each other in the beanbag, which is great. And they're springy and comfy to sit on. Um, But there is a downside to them. Um, Each beanbag would cost about three grand. Oh, my God. See, this is it again. And, like, obviously, people will pay, like, and, and I would pay, like, extra, a little bit extra for, you know, you know, you, you want environmentally friendly, definitely. I'd happily pay extra. Um, but he actually did tell me about this one the other day. We went on a little walk. He told me about this ludicrous machine that he's he was trying to build, which, again, I had no idea about. But he said <laughs> it costs about 5K, 
and he's trying to drill up the funds to build a cotton wool ball machine, which apparently can be modified to make the world's first felt ball making machine. And he was talking me through it and it was like a wool machine connected to some other machine that he'd made and it would go along like a conveyor belt and it would turn this wool into felt balls. It sounded mental. Mate, it's just not needed, is it? It's like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Like The amount of struggle he's gone through there. And I think we need some explanation behind all these well-intended bad inventions. I think uh, we need to get him on at some point, don't we, Robbo, to explain Definitely. these? Definitely. I mean, he has, as we've said many a time, the most wonderful mind. And to question him live, I think, would be a, would be a wonderful little insight <laughs> and thing uh, for the listeners to, to, to enjoy full on how l- ridiculous this man really is. Um, so, yeah, 100%. Stay tuned and uh, you will be hearing from Sam Price at some point. So that's us for another podcast. You can always get in touch with us at Middlehood Pod on Instagram or Twitter. We have had a couple of messages. Now, you might remember a couple of weeks back, we had a clip from Josie on. Her dad has been pointing his temperature gun at everything in the lounge and measuring it, a bit like something my dad would do. Classic. Brilliant. And he does that because he has this tool to make beers. And Josie's mum, who is married to this man called Andy, has got in touch and said that um, Andy has loved having the shout-out on the pod, and he's got some names for some of these beers, Robbo. Oh, my gosh. This is fantastic. I don't actually know these. Brilliant. Hit me. Now, a bit offended that none are named after us, but they're a bit more current. So he's got a name. He's got one called C19. Oh, OK. Oh, that's quite cool. COVID-19. C19. Yeah. That's quite cool. Yeah, nice. Another called Lockdown. Yeah, OK. There's a theme. There's a theme. A bit bleak. I hope they taste better than they sound. Uh, a Substantial Meal is another one, he's called. Oh, that's a good name. I like that name a lot. And finally, Circuit Breaker. Oh, the last couple have really got you me. Could, you, could see, you could see Circuit Breaker in like a craft brewery, couldn't For you? For sure, and I like to think like a Substantial Meal is sort of like a wholesome stout, maybe. I don't know what, what, what types of beers he's gone for, but it sounds like it would be, you know, I hope it's sort of a filling full brew. Lovely names. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. If you have enjoyed it, chances are your mates might too. So please do share the pod. Chance will be a fine thing. Yeah. And you can find us at Middlehood Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And where can people find our podcast itself, Ben? Uh, on their phones? No, not on their phones. Well, yes, on their phones, but I mean what apps? Ah, yeah, yeah right. Um, we're on Apple, uh, Spotify, Acast and, and all other reliable podcast providers. Finally, thank you.